and go. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, as always, is Charles Orrins Thompson. How's it going, man? Charles Chuck. Charles Chuck. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. That's what I like to be known as. Do you like it when I give everyone your full name? Well, like, I don't really have thing? A, When you do the intro, I don't have a choice of yeah. what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I can't can, force can you to it do it out, anything. I guess. You don't give anyone my full name ever. No, no I would never say Nathaniel Paul Thurston. You would never say that. I would never on the say podcast. That. No, no, I'm glad, and I'm glad you haven't. <laughs> I would, so I that's would good. never say. <laughs> okay, well, some, I can't say that one. <laughs> we got some big news today. We got the super duper Thursday happened just yesterday, uh, or Tuesday. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself there. We got super Tuesday happened yesterday. We got to talk about this crazy, sad yet infuriating slightly video that I saw on BuzzFeed come across um, my newsfeed this morning after I woke up scrolling through Facebook Watch and, of course, just getting indoctrinated within the first five minutes. So I uh, had to, had to uh, write down some points on that video. But first, we got to tell you guys to subscribe to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Try yeah, if you're new around here, I would yeah. suggest subscribing to the podcast. Why? Why would you want to do that? Um, well... It makes it easy. It's easy as possible for our next episode to show up right onto your phone. The Good Morning Liberty podcast, all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And very important things. First of all, life is important, right? That seems important. That's what, yeah. we, that's what we think. Last I checked. Well, if that's true, it should be protected. And you need liberty to be as successful as possible. And then you have to pursue something that is meaningful. Not happiness. Why not happiness, Nate? Uh, because what did the founders get wrong about that? Well, you know, uh, among some of the things that they had wrong, putting happiness in there. Now they said you could pursue happiness. Yeah. So that's fine. That's it's fine. The right to pursue. Yeah. So they they did put pursuit in there, but happiness. You know, I just don't think that's a good goal because that's just going to set you up for a lot of really really sad and terrible times. If your goal is happiness. That's not always going to be there. No matter what's happening, you could achieve everything. And if your goal is happiness, well, when someone really close to you dies or something bad happens, you're not going to have happiness. And therefore, you have not met your goal, which was happiness. So instead, what we try to make for our goal uh, with some with some help from uh, the, the great Jordan Peterson, because he has explained this very, very well, what we have liked to put as our goal is meaning, because you can be pursuing meaning regardless of what kind of times you are having, and that can get you through all the bad times. It can get you up in the morning if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling down, you don't want to do anything. Pursuing meaning is the absolute best way to go about your life because you can always do that regardless of what is going on wrong in your life you can still be pursuing the meaning of your life and therefore when you are doing that as good as you possibly can well maybe you can be happy too well what and then what else is there better to do now that's about it what what else is what else is going to get you out of bed in the morning nothing no, either that or you can choose a life of blaming everyone else. And as liberty minded people, we believe in taking personal responsibility. And part of that is pursuing a life of meaning. So that's what we talk about here. It's all about life, liberty. How can we advance liberty? And also at the same time, regardless 
of what the hell is going on around you. It's your fault. You have to take the responsibility and make something of yourself, which is why we do a couple cool things around here. And uh, talking about Super Tuesday, you know, no one on the Democratic side cares about you. And uh, if you're looking at the Super Tuesday results on the Republican side, it looks like Trump won most of the delegates. (laughs) And he also doesn't care about you. Neither one of these people care about you. Who does care? You know what they care about? Their own self-interest. Winning their elections. Exactly. That's what they care about. Sorry to say that about Trump. You um, You know who does care about you? Uh, you, 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 exactly. yeah, that's, that's an important yeah. one. So let's talk about Super Tuesday. Listen, Joe Biden, who I just had as dead on arrival, just not even going to be here anymore. Now, while he might actually be dead, he did <laughs> garner some delegates, actually quite a few delegates yesterday. His delegate count is uh, impressively high, and I just did not see that. He's he he looks he looks to be winning right now. Winning. Sleepy, creepy Joe Biden. Sleepy, creepy Joe Biden, the the person who was obviously going to lose the Bernie Sanders, is coming in right now. Now, this is from the Bing search results. They've got a, a constant thing on their website right here, giving giving you the presidential primary <coughs> delegate counts. They've got Joe Biden at 495 delegates and Sanders at 428 delegates. I've got a more updated one right here. What do you got? Biden at 507, Bernie Sanders at 441. Okay. Chief Warren taking third place right now, 53 delegates. You know, she didn't even come in second place in Massachusetts. Her I know. Home, her home state. It's pretty crazy. I mean, literally, uh, Bloomberg was was beating her in all of these states most yeah. of the time. I know that they uh, they he's were pretty close 50. a couple times. He's got 50 delegates. He's actually got 50 delegates. He's he spent roughly uh, $10 million per delegate <laughs> so <laughs> far. And uh, hopefully that's worth it for him. He's going to have to spend a little over $5 billion to overtake Joe Biden right now (laughs) at that current rate. So, uh, yeah, good good luck to you, Mr. Mr. Bloomberg. Mini Mike. Mini Mike. (laughs) Man, that video of Trump making fun of him. so funny. Oh, my God. Good Lord, that was hilarious. If you have not seen it, you have to go look it up because, well, should we describe (laughs) it for him? Yes, we should. Trump was at a ra- was he at a rally or CPAC? Yeah. Well, it was CPAC. It was, yeah. He was at CPAC. Yeah, and he started doing an impression of Mini Mike Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, and the funniest thing he did was as he said something in his impersonation of Mike Bloomberg's voice, he lowered himself below the podium. Yeah. <laughs> so like if the mic, if you're watching live, he was like. Mini Mike Bloomberg, and he goes down below the <laughs> It was hilarious. It, and, I mean, it's childish, it but is. it was funny. It was it was like he was running a Comedy Central roast of, is, I mean, of the Democrats, and well, it was this hilarious. This is why no one can beat him. Like, when it comes to debate, when it comes to debating Donald Trump, he's not afraid to say things that you shouldn't really say. Like, remember his best line when he was debating Hillary Clinton in 2016? Like, uh, if I were president, you'd be in jail. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, I remember that. You would be in jail. No normal person would say that running no, for president. That's not something but that a politician did. says. No, but he all. did. And that's one of the reasons why he won. She yeah. can't, there's no way she could compete with that. She tried in the next debate to say something, but there's no way any of them. Joe Biden, Joe Biden if he wins the nomination, Bernie Sanders, it doesn't matter. I think Trump's going to mop the floor. I can imagine Joe Biden, guys. Joe Biden trying to have a comeback on one of Trump's put downs. It would just be something like this. 
All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. <laughs> and there's this put down on Trump right yeah. there. It'd be pretty good. It'd be you, pretty hilarious to listen to. You know I'm trying to put you down, Trump. Yeah, you already know. You know the you, thing. I don't have to say it. <laughs> so going through all these states real quick. Uh, it looks like um, Biden's going to get Maine. Sanders going to get California. Biden gets Texas. Biden gets North Carolina. Biden gets Virginia. Massachusetts. Minnesota. Sanders gets California. Biden gets Tennessee. See, uh, let's see, Alabama goes for Biden. Biden gets Oklahoma. Biden gets Arkansas. Sanders gets Utah, and Sanders somehow pulled it out in Vermont. I have no idea how he did it. And then I believe it's a nice Bloomberg, town. Bloomberg won American Samoa. It is a nice town, by the way. Really, really nice. What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town! What a neat town! <laughs> That's so pretty good. neat. Yeah, That's pretty neat. So <laughs> I have a couple things with this. I was telling uh, people in the pre-show, by the way, if you want to sign up for that, patreon.com slash Liberty. on the pre-show, I was telling some people about um, what I thought was interesting about these results that are coming in, because every state that Joe Biden has won is all 98, 99, and 100% reporting. Yeah. So that's like, uh, uh, we're done. Delegates are issued. Everybody's finished. Joe Biden wins this state. Here's all the delegates allocated. What's interesting to me is the states that Bernie Sanders has won or is winning. They're all there's not one above 90, 79 percent right now. They're still having trouble finishing their reporting. So, so you're saying instance, they're going to find the big bag of Joe Biden votes at the end of the day? I, I think is that so. What you think? I think yeah. so, because <laughs> Joe Biden has to come out ahead right now in the delegate count. And I think this is what the DNC has been trying to do all along, because they do not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. No, because and Trump mops the floor with Bernie Sanders in man, the general election. Yes. No contest. It's He would be worse against Trump than Biden would, although Biden's still not going to be able to do no. anything. No, it reminds me of like Mitt Romney running against Obama. Yeah. You know, like Not it close. just wasn't even close. Yeah. And so, it, but you look at some of these states, California, Bernie Sanders has won California. So he's that far ahead. He's, he's ahead by almost 10 points. Um, so they've called that race with 79% reporting. However, um, they haven't fully reported it and they haven't fully give, given out all the delegates. They've only given out just over half of the 1,415 delegates available. Now, why mm. would they do something like that? Colorado's the same, by the way. Colorado, he's up by 13 points, um, but it only shows 70% reporting, and they've only given out, they've given out less than <coughs> half the delegates available. Uh, Maine is a very tight race. Uh, Biden has a one about a one-point lead with 91% reporting, so they're not calling that one yet. And uh, what's some other ones that uh, Bernie Sanders won here? Utah, uh, only 73% reporting. And so it's very, it's just very interesting to me how all of the states that Joe Biden won, um, they're all good. 100% reporting. Yeah. No issues found so far. Bernie's not coming back in those states. No. No. The ones that they're having issues with are trying to find a bag of Biden votes. Yeah. And I think it's because they want to keep biden ahead in the total primary count for as long as possible much like they announced Buttigieg winning iowa so far in advance even though they had so much trouble counting all the votes and all that stuff anything to keep sanders from getting that media attention now i was yep. watching live updates last night on the news doing my due diligence for all of you liberty lovers out there and what struck me as hilarious 
is the media was just mentioning Biden so many times. And they were already talking about Biden facing Trump. That's what they were already talking about. This was on Fox News. I switched to CNN, MSNBC. I went to all the major news outlets and just to see what the conversation was like. And they had Republicans and Democrats both. And the whole conversation shifted to Biden versus Trump. Yeah. No one was talking about Sanders and being in second place or anything like that. I think Sanders was mentioned like a total of four times it in like the back, two hours that I watched. It shifted back to like 2016 levels all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. It was so crazy to me. And see, this is the narrative. Now, we got a great question in on our Facebook. Uh, so if you guys want to go follow us on Facebook, you can do that. Uh, you can hit us up, message us on there, Instagram, anywhere. We're, we're all over the place. Um, and we like to interact with all of you all. So... If we don't get back to your message right away, it doesn't mean that we're not going to answer. It just may take us a little while. But this coming from Helen, she said, will DNC support of Joe Biden work as a reverse psychology to give Sanders a nomination? And I feel like that's a very interesting point. Oh, Mike Bloomberg dropped out. Yeah, I just heard. I just saw that. Yeah. Put uh, a, he's already endorsed Biden and he said he's going to. uh uh, help fund Biden also. Well, here you go. So there you go. <laughs> Anything to beat Sanders. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, yeah, so this is what's going to happen. It's not, I think that's a fair point, but I don't think it would work. I don't think it's working. I think what DNC is doing, what the DNC is doing is doing what they know America wants, which is a moderate candidate that actually has a slim chance of beating Trump Yeah. versus a, uh, severely progressive socialist communist candidate in Bernie Sanders and getting destroyed. Yeah. Who, by Trump. Uh, who I still, I, I will say if uh, I've said it a few times before, if Sanders is a nominee, I think he wins five States. I think, I think that's what he wins. He wins your obvious progressive States. He wins uh, Vermont, New York, California, Illinois, and uh, maybe another progressive state. But I, I don't think Bernie just automatically gets all those people who have their uh, unions and, and all that like he thinks he's going to. You know, the unions are already here's one thing we know about people in unions. They're already in a union and they've already got. They're good union health care. They've already got their union that's already pushing their wages and is locked in their job regardless of their performance. So they've already got all of that. And they don't like the idea that their health care plan is going to be taken away and they're going to be subjected to whatever the government plan is. I don't think they're going to like that. So this obvious thing that Bernie's for the unions, it's just not going to play. Well, and he Biden, lost a key swing state, I, I thought, which is Minnesota. Yeah. You know, I you, you would think that Bernie Sanders would have to win Minnesota. The other problem is Pennsylvania is uh, that's Joe Biden's home state, right? Pennsylvania. And so Biden's probably going to win that one, which that's is true. another. Is that where he's from? I think so. Those type of swing states that Trump ended up winning that could go any either way that have a lot of manufacturing jobs and unions and things like that. Uh, you know, by uh, sorry, Bernie Sanders lost by over nine points in Minnesota with 100 percent reporting. So that's not good. Yeah. Um, considering those types of workers and who the workers are behind. Um, he was uh, officially um, candidate in Delaware is where it comes from, but he is from Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought he was from there, but he wasn't, yeah. a, he was a, sorry. He, yeah, he was a candidate in Delaware, Yeah, but from Pennsylvania. So I think he still has a lot of pull there, um, but that's a, a very important state. And you'll see uh, Sanders is going to stay in the race. There's no doubt about that. And there's some, very key elections coming up. Um, Illinois is a big one. Florida is a big one. New York is a big one. But I just don't see 
how Sanders now overcomes it. And I, and I don't think that it's going to work as reverse psychology because you have to remember even among, you know, there's a lot of independents that go and still vote and they can vote either way. Right. You just and, pull and, a ballot, whatever, whatever ballot you tell them you want. Right. Yeah. Right. And so if they're going as an independent and they're going to go vote for a Democrat, they're going to vote middle of the road. <clears throat> you know, they're it's maybe like, you know, 10 or 15 percent of the registered Democrats, which are 29 percent to only 10 or 15 percent are actually going to go for somebody as far left and socialist in my mind as Sanders. Yeah. If they're going to go for someone who is that socialist, they're not an independent. That's right. so, no. so they're, they're classified incorrectly if that's, it's, if that's what they're going to go for. And these aren't stupid people. Like the people running the DNC aren't dumb. Yeah. They know, they know this, they understand this. An election is a game of numbers. And just like you can, somewhat get the margins correct. You can predict the stock market and you can kind of predict the stock market because it's based on human emotion. It's the same thing with elections. This is why if you understand stock charts, you understand life. Yeah. You understand human emotions and the trends that you see. Yeah. Now it's not an exact science. You can't predict it exactly. Mm. However, when it comes down to elections, they know based on a margin it's rough. It's uh, what is the margin? You need 6% or 8%. You need to win 6%. 6%. It's roughly the margin of 6% that you need to win people over. And so they know this, like they know that 91% of Ford F-150 truck owners vote Republican. They know this, <laughs> right? They know that 95% of people who buy tofu at Publix are Democrats. <laughs> That's not true. I don't know that. I just try. I was trying to think of. <laughs> I was trying to think of something a little hippie. People who drive Volvos. <laughs> yeah, people who <laughs> or Priuses or Subarus. <laughs> they're going to vote Democrat. The one, but all they the know things, these. All they the things that Subaru things. works on, by the way, and all their safety stuff. Could they please design a car that doesn't look like absolute dog crap? <laughs> Come on. You work on making it the safest thing ever in the entire world, and you can't make the bumper just a little bit longer. Come on. Just a little this thing nicer. Is, just make it look better. Stop <laughs> trying to convince me about all this safe stuff and make it look like it's it's not something from the year 1993. Make it aesthetically pleasing. Right. Sorry. My wife and I were just going on about that on a commercial the other day. <laughs> like, who would buy this yeah, thing? Come on. It's built for speed, Nate, not comfort. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. But that's my, my point that I'm getting at is that. They understand if they're going to have any shot at winning the national election, it's going to have to be a middle of the road candidate, which is why I thought my prediction, I'm eating my words now, obviously, because Bloomberg just dropped out. But it's why I predicted Bloomberg to actually be the nominee. Yeah, because he's the guy that's most middle of the road. He's got the money and he's he's just as much of an asshole as Trump is. So I thought he would be in the best position to take on Trump and the DNC would get behind Bloomberg. However, what they did was a little bit of a bait and switch. They had everybody in the last couple debates dog on Bloomberg to take the focus off of to take the focus of all the gaffes of yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden and the fact that he's not very good at running a campaign because he wasn't even in half these states that he won. So they took all the the noise off of him, let's say, to do a little bait and switch where everybody attacked uh, Bloomberg. And then now that Joe Biden started to win, Bloomberg drops out. Now he's going to back uh, Joe Biden financially. So, Have you ever eaten paper before, by the way? Did uh, you ever used to do that? Probably in my life. Why? Yeah. I was just going to make you eat your words on camera. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> are you so, writing them out for me? Here you go. Oh, okay. This says this says right here. Charlie said he would eat his words, and I said I would actually make him eat his words. So here's on this post-it note. It says Bloomberg will be the nominee. Right, right there. So uh, Charlie, you don't have to do it all right now. I'm just saying that throughout the podcast, you're going to need to consume. I ripped off the sticky part of the post-it note. The post-it note. Eating, um, so don't worry about that. Is, has the FDA inspected this for yeah, human I just consumption? Yeah, I just talked to him. I just okay, got off good. the phone with him. Yeah, they said it was good for this this one thing. I bought a permit, and they gave me permission, so they said it's good for this one single time. I don't have to swallow it, Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, that's part of eating. No. Yeah, you got to no, swallow I'm, it. I'm not swallowing it. I, I never thought I you would come out as a liar right here on camera. I didn't think that that was ever going to happen. But uh, who did you pick? Charlie didn't. Who did you pick? Did I you forgot. say that you would that if you were wrong, you would put the words in your mouth and then spit them out? You didn't say that. He never said that. He's got the words in his mouth right now. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie eating his words live on Patreon right now. If you're not watching, <laughs> just swallow it. You can hear this. It's going to be fine. <laughs> you know how much dye is in all the crap that you eat all the time? Honestly, I'll take it like a pill. Yeah, there you go. Here's wash, wash down your words with a little bit of <laughs> what do you got there? It's from the doctor. Okay. Dr. Pepper. Okay. <laughs> Wash down your words with that beautiful Dr. Pepper. 23 <laughs> flavors, or however many it is. <laughs> I like how it's sticking out of my mouth. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You're welcome, Patreon. Okay, now let's talk about this video. There's a video that I watched this morning, and you know what? It's actually a very, it's actually a very emotional video. <sighs> nice. There Done. you go. It's Charlie done. has eaten his words. God, I can't believe I just Saying that. that Bloomberg would be the nominee there you go. You're welcome. I live up. I believe in taking responsibility. We'll have to go back and see what words I said I would eat, and I'll do the same thing. Okay. It's fine. I don't remember what it was, though. You were just very specific about Bloomberg being the nominee. So. I think I made you say it. I'm pretty sure you said Warren. Yeah. Did I say Warren? <laughs> no. I don't think so. No, I just thought that was funny. Okay, um, let's take a look at this video. This is called What It Means to Be Poor in America. Now, this is a very, uh, this is this is an emotional video. When you listen to the lady talk, you have to somewhat feel bad for her, I guess. Um, I feel bad for her that she has the mindset that she has. I don't exactly feel just terrible for her in her current situation because there's always a way out of all these situations if you d decide that there isn't a way out well i mean you're definitely not going to make it out of it that decreases your chances of making it out of poverty down to about zero and she literally says in this video you'll hear that her friends they would get jobs and they would lose their benefits and so they would then reverse their promotions or they would quit their jobs so they could keep having their benefits she makes an amazing argument against the welfare state in this in this entire video actually this lady is a great storyteller she is great way. no i mean fantastic it is it is so we're gonna play if you're watching live on patreon you'll see the video if you are listening on the podcast here we go i have two jobs and a bachelor's degree two and jobs. i struggle to make ends meet the federal poverty guidelines say that i'm not poor but i cashed in a jar full of change the other night so my I love when daughter could attend a high school band competition with her bands. I can't go grocery shopping without a calculator. I had to decide which bills not to pay to be here in this room today. Believe me, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps so many damn times that I've ripped them off. Now, dang it, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't do it. 
talking about her pulling herself up by her bootstraps so many times she pulled them off. I mean, good Lord, the lady weighs 400 pounds. No wonder the bootstraps broke. But listen, you're not... We haven't even gotten there yet, we're, no, we're We haven't even gotten to, to that point yet, and I don't mean to talk about her that way, but good Lord, we have a lady up here... When you think about places... Look, I'm not the skinniest guy, all me, right? Me so either. it's, you know... But when you're talking about people who are in poverty... Can you imagine showing this video to someone who actually lives in poverty somewhere else in the world where they have poverty? Now, and I pulled up the definition of poverty so we would know exactly yeah. what the level of poverty really is. And let me tell you, Google's, this is pretty easy right here. It is the state of being poor. No, that, <laughs> no that's not what it is, actually. It's the state of being extremely poor extremely poor okay now what's some of the synonym synonyms synonyms you know the thing you know the thing synonyms <laughs> what are some of the synonyms for this well uh privation indigence destitution like does that sound at all so far what this woman is dealing with no, she's i mean she's just talking for about christ's sakes her her daughter plays saxophone or something yeah those things are expensive uh, yeah or flute or clarinet she whatever says, she is when she goes to the grocery store she has to use a calculator oh that's that's pop we should cut this video and airdrop it to kids in africa who are about to die next week yeah, yeah that way they can know what it's really like to live in poverty that's that's what we have to do it's way worse than a kid who has oh to fight God. the lions to get to the watering hole look at this poor 400 pound woman who has to use a calculator when she goes to a grocery store in america we should send our money to her no <laughs> come on guys you got to have just a little bit you got to have just a, a little bit of perspective when you're talking about this and that's it's really not to say that people aren't having a hard time because people do have a hard time. I grew up in oh, pretty close to what would be called poverty for a while. Um, and then we were below the poverty line, yeah. technically speaking. Yeah, you we had were, you had three, you know, you had, your mom had three kids, single mom of three kids, single mom, three kids. I had a single mom, one kid. And she was I remember when she went to college, I used to go with her to her classes. And then sometimes I would just sit out in the car and listen to the radio all day while she was in class. I mean, stuff, we also used to roll pennies and change and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Both of us did. The time that we decided to move our trailer out of the trailer park about 10 no, about five blocks away to a much nicer spot to put it uh my mom i remember vividly my mom and i sitting on the floor rolling pennies and dimes and nickels and some quarters over oh, those were like finding gold when you find those quarters in there rolling change so we could come up with the 75 dollars to pay the person with a big truck that could pull our trailer over to a different spot right so uh, listen not to out my mom here but when we grew up with three boys, my mom was single, three, and I'm six, eight, 300 pounds here. All right. And I was the smallest one, mind you. <laughs> and so we went through about five gallons of milk a week. And I'm sure my and mom that was used, just Charlie. Yeah. I'm sure my mom used a calculator to purchase those. But <laughs> what I'm saying here is she had, she was a single mom of three boys. And my mom, I don't believe made anything over 17 to $18,000 a year tops. And for the longest time, my dad, whom I love very dearly, and we have a great relationship now, my dad didn't pay child support until I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And so my mom was single, didn't have any child support. By the way, the child support she did get for three boys was $600 a month. Yeah. 
Like I pay child support for my son right now and it's over $1,100. Jeez. Yeah. For one kid. Yeah. That's one kid. And, uh, my, my, and my dad made good money. It wasn't like it was your kid's three and he's almost out of poverty already. (laughs) (laughs) Just on his own. (laughs) Just, (laughs) just purely on support. (laughs) But anyway, the point that I'm getting here or the point that I'm trying to, to make here is that there are people who grew up with far less than even what she is spouting off so far. And we're not even 30 seconds into the video and you can make the case that it doesn't mean that you're in, that you are extremely poor. Yeah. There's this perception of poverty in America that is so wrong compared to the rest of the world. And not even only that, but compared to the rest of history. Well, by the way, her calculator is probably on her $1,200 iPhone more than likely. She gets into this later, but she yeah. did some research on Google. Well, how did she get to Google? That's crazy. She must've gone. She must've walked to a public library, I guess. My mom. Well, I'm just saying in the eighties, my mom couldn't even search on Google. It didn't even exist. Uh-uh. So anyway, Mr. Producer clip seven. I was having to ask Jeeves about everything when I was young. Come on. Morning. My name is Amy Jo Hutchison. I'm a single mom of two who's lived in West Virginia all my life. Today, I'm here to help you better understand poverty because poverty is my lived experience. And I'm also here to acknowledge the biased beliefs that poor people are lazy and the poverty is their fault. But how do I make you understand things like working full time for $10 an hour is only about $19,000 a year, even though it's well above the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. I want to tell you about a single mom. By the way, why stop at $10 an hour? Why, why have you capped yourself on that? There's a real shortage here of value in your production. If you've said, I'm only ever going to make $10 an hour. Uh, People who make $10 an hour, listen, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. Okay? That's all you ever make. Guess what? If if they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. If you are always making the minimum amount that your business will pay you, whether it's forced by the government or it's the business and that's the lowest they pay, you're going to struggle. Because prices will adjust, and anytime you are in the bracket of people that is making the minimum amount of money that it is legally allowed for people to make, you're going to struggle. Regardless, your goal should not be to try and get more money from other people. It should be to figure out why you're only worth $10 an hour. That should be the first thing that you do. But that's the problem with her mindset. Her mindset is not, let's spend all this time making myself more valuable. That's not what she's doing. She's spending all this time coming up with this speech and coming up with, you know, Google and stuff on how to complain properly about what it's like to be poor. How to com- how to complain in the most compelling way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's the problem but with look, the mindset. It's, it's not even just your life. Like, how about making your kid's life better? This is how evolution takes place, folks. This is how it works. You know, like maybe, for instance, my mom, we grew up poor my whole life, you know, and then my mom at 52 years old started her own business. I helped her do it. And, and there's, you're never too old or too late to increase your value, to increase your value to other people. And, and if you are a parent and you are struggling because we struggled, it's not like it's easy living paycheck to paycheck. I've mentioned several times on the show, our treat once a week was to go to McDonald's when my mom had an extra 20 bucks, which happened Mm -hmm. most Sundays, but there were Sundays where it didn't happen. And it sucks not being able to 
to get the nice things that other people have, or, you know, we wore hand-me-down clothes my whole life or whatever, but you also have to think, how does this change over time? Will my kid's life be better than mine? And subsequently will their life, their kid's life be better than theirs. Yeah. And so far that's how it's worked out for us. And that's how, that's how it works out for millions of people. Yeah. You keep over generations, it, um, increasing the wealth of your family and the community around you. And eventually we, everyone gets above the poverty line instead of focusing on who, who is to blame, uh, why it's not my fault. You should take responsibility for that and try to improve your situation and your family situation so that in years to come, they're not struggling paycheck to paycheck. We've asked before, if you look at the people who are rich or the people who are well off right now and you trace it back, not everyone's on the t- same time frame. Not everyone's on the same time scale. They're going to be wealthy at different times. Maybe your parents are poor and then you're going to be wealthy. When you look at a wealthy person, maybe they inherited it from their parents. Maybe they made it themselves, whatever. We'll trace it back to their parents or maybe it was from their grandparents. What did their parents or their grandparents do to set their future generations up? for a better life were their parents and grandparents spending all of their time complaining about poverty in america is that what they were doing and that's how they set you up for a really nice life no that's how you set people up for being in poverty that's how you set them up and they're always going to be in poverty actually she wants to raise the poverty line that way more people are technically impoverished in the u.s and they can all be on benefits so let's uh Let's see what else. Roll the tape. Roll tape. Mom I met who was working at a gas station. She was promoted to manager and within 30 days, she had to report her new income to DHHR. Within 60 days, her rent bumped from 475 to 950 a month. She lost her SNAP benefits and her family's health insurance. So she did what poor people are forced to do all the time. She resigned her promotion and went back to working part-time just so she and her family could survive. Another single mom I know encouraged her kids to get jobs. There's one more. For her DHR review, she had to claim their income as well. She lost her SNAP benefits and her insurance, so she weaned herself off of her blood pressure medicines because she, working full-time in a bank and part-time at a shop on the weekends, couldn't afford to buy them. Okay, so the point Charlie wants to make about the fact that this person was working at a gas station and they got a promotion. And that promotion pushed them above the threshold to be able to receive all their SNAP benefits. So what did they do? What did they do when all of a sudden they lost their benefits because they were making more money? Did they say, well, you know what? I need to make even more money. Or I need to find a way to save this money now that I'm outside of poverty and I need to be able to pay for all these these things. Is that what the person did? No, no, no. Resign their position. She gave back her promotion and voluntarily went back to the lower wage. That way she could still be qualified for her SNAP benefits and any of her welfare benefits that she was taking. Why? Because it's easier. Yeah, because it's how much easier is that? Because it's there. Your rent doubled because you probably doubled the amount of money you were making. And then you lost your SNAP benefits. What are you doing with the extra money you were making as a manager? You know, <clears throat> I know, um, for instance, I've been in the food service and, and retail industry before. Most managers, you start out making pretty much what a school te- teacher makes. You're making like 40000 a year, some fifty. I know GMs of McDonald's, when I was there, you could make fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year, depending on what you were doing. It's a decent income. You went from 
$6 an hour to $12 an hour. 5.15, by the way. 5.15 to twelve fifty an hour in six months when at McDonald's. When I was McDonald's. 17 years old. Yeah, and this was back in aught four. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> just imagine how, how much more money circus, that would be now. Circus 2004. Yeah. <laughs> I would say aught four because of, uh, well, one, that's how... Um, you know, the, I don't know, gener- our parents or our grandparents' generations would say it. My great grandma would say, w- would say stuff like ought five and, and things. Yeah. And then it reminds me of the Shawshank Redemption when he, when he says the, uh, the old guy, uh, Brooks that works in the library, uh, he said, oh, yeah. well, well, I came back in, uh, I came to Shawshank back in ought nine and, uh, been here ever since, uh, you know, like the, it just. <laughs> So I say I graduated high school in not five. I do circus because that's what Donnie <laughs> Baker. Circus, circus, circus two thousand five. Circus two thousand four. No, but that's this is the point. She's making a great case for the problem with the welfare system. This is the problem with the idea of a UBI of a universal basic income. It's the problem with the welfare system. This is one case. She's literally up here in this video that's got a million views or more, talking about how someone is making less money even though they were offered more money. How many people do you think could be out there where they have decided to not get up to $10 an hour because they would lose their SNAP benefits? Empirically, I know several people. I remember when I was working at uh, CHS, Community Health Systems, with it, which is a private, I'm sorry, it's a publicly traded company, but they own um, healthcare uh, hospitals, another one in Nashville. This is why Nashville is the healthcare capital of the world. But I knew a lady and she had uh, a friend of hers that we talked about who who didn't want to take a contract opportunity at CHS, even though her friend was trying to help her get on there, didn't want to take a contract opportunity or get a regular job, because if she did that, then she would lose all of her benefits. And it's she's she said verbatim that it was literally easier to not have to worry about waking up in the morning and receive all your benefits and have everything paid for than it was to go to a regular job. Yeah. And that's the same thing if we had a universal basic income. Uh, I mean, Yang wanted to do a thousand, which will do basically nothing except for raise your average cost of everything, a thousand dollars a month. Uh, but the other thing is if you made the UBI something like $25,000 a year and made sure we had a negative income tax, something like that. Well, all that's going to happen is people are going to see that, well, why would I take a job that's $26,000 a year? Why would I take a job that's $28,000 a year? I could just get a UBI of 25. So then all the businesses, they got to start paying people 30, 35, 40 to get them to decide to work instead of just sitting at home and earning 25 doing nothing. Which means all the prices have to go up. Which means prices go up. And then your UBI of 25 is not enough anymore, by the way. So that it's that's what all this does. You know, one of the things that made life just a lot harder for my mom and my mom and I when when we were growing up. You know, one thing that made it so much harder. She got her master's degree. That's that's one thing that made it really difficult. Now you would think, well, why would your mom, being a teacher, getting a master's degree, make things harder? Well, when she got her master's degree, she we didn't realize this was going to happen. Didn't really think about it. She bumped up into a new tax bracket. And after she got her master's degree, her paychecks went down because she bumped up into a new bracket and she got taxed higher. Therefore, it would have been better for her at that time struggling to not get a master's degree and stay in that lower tax bracket for a a little bit longer amount of time because she took a pay cut 
when she got her master's degree. But think of all the good things the taxes were doing for you oh, guys. Oh, yeah. So good. They were helping you out, right? We got so many more benefits when she slipped up into that <laughs> higher tax bracket. Yeah. Everything just got so much better for us when she slipped up into that tax bracket. So amazing. So that, Everything that's, the government does for you. And that's why we talk about the problems with the welfare state, the problems with the UBI, with uh, progressive income taxes. All of these things, they stop growth. They stop people from growing. What if my mom would have, you know, had realized it beforehand that she was about to take a big pay cut not only was she about to pay to go back and get her master's degree but then she was also about to take a pay cut do you think if she would have realized that fully that at that time when we were struggling she would have decided to go ahead and get that master's degree probably not no probably not is is the answer right there and now you've got these you got people who literally are voluntarily taking a lower amount of money uh, per hour so they can keep their SNAP benefits. And you've got people who literally will decide to not work because it's easier to not work and still get all that, that same welfare <coughs> than it is to work and potentially make the same amount of money or just a little bit more than what you would be making from the welfare. It stops people from growing. It stops them from increasing their capital this, from being more valuable uh, in society. And now that this woman did not take the manager promotion, she can never get regional manager or anything else nope. to keep increasing her salary and her pay and get out of poverty. And, and this is what happened. This is why when you look at the last 50 years of democratic policies, let's say progressive policies, they're, they're the policies that are actually holding people back. You know, you, you obviously we want to help people who are not in good situations. And that's why we believe in private charity. However, these policies are just create this cycle where you, you are, yeah, you're not dying. However, you can never get ahead because the choice to get ahead isn't worth it. Yeah. It's not worth mm. it. Whereas we, if we didn't have welfare and we didn't have these benefits for people to fall back on when your backs up against the wall, You'd have to figure it out, man. Yeah. Or what are you going to do? What are you going to do when, when you when you have to figure That's the thing. it out? When you don't have the safety net, your mindset automatically has to go to, I need to become as valuable as I possibly can so I can survive. That is not the mindset that you have when you have the safety net. The safety net says, well, I don't want to get too valuable or I'm going to end up not being able to get as much free money. Uh, so, so you just got to ask yourself, what is setting up the best possible society and what's setting up the best possible future for everyone's children? What, what is it? It's not this. It's not this whatsoever. All right. Let's go back to just a little bit more of this Clip video. Nine. Let's go. Eventually, the girls quit their jobs because their part-time fast food income was literally killing their mother. You see, the thing is, children aren't going to escape poverty as long as they're relying on a head household. Excuse me, it was poor. Poverty rolls off the backs of parents not right true. the shoulders of our children, despite how... Not true. Charlie, what's it like living in poverty? Well, it's just awful, man. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? I can't it? get ahead. The poverty line is too high. Yeah. That's the too low, too low. That's <laughs> that's the problem. You know, you weren't able to get ahead. There's no way that children are going to get ahead if they're living with a head of household who's poor. It's no. just not possible, is it? No, there's no way. No, no, can't do that's it. That's why I'm still in poverty. That's why you're still in poverty yeah. right now. That's why I'm still in poverty right now. Absolutely. That's why my child support payment is eleven $1 hundred dollars a month. That's why my mom <laughs> was in poverty. Her her whole no, she did. She went to school. She she got herself a nice income, and she was a teacher for a long time. You can get out of poverty. 
Not Now, if you go into it with the mindset of, I can't do this, this is not possible, there's no way, well, guess what? The statistical likelihood that you're going to work hard enough to achieve all of those things and that that's going to happen is just about zero. It's almost zero. And we're not saying it's easy. Like, this is hard work. Yeah. it's No one's going to hand it to you, John. Or what's this girl's name? Mary? Susan? Mrs. Hutchinson. Miss Miss, Miss Hutchinson. Miss Hutchinson. No one's going to hand it to you, by the way. Life is not easy. It never, it's not meant to be easy. If, if there's something you want, you have to go out and get it. No one's sitting around going, oh, can't wait to give Miss Hutchinson her, her you know, $40,000 a year. No one's going to do that for you at all. It's up to you. And how bad do you actually want it? That's one thing I love about sports. Like when you learn, especially team organized sports or even individual sports, it's on you, man. How bad do you want it? How bad do you actually want to win the game? Yeah. You know, how bad do you actually want to win that championship? When teams go up against the Patriots through the, does the NFL automatically give the other team 20 points to start off with? No, no. They both start at zero. And the one who has worked the hardest and who has the best plan and can cheat the most is the one that's going to end up scoring the most points. <laughs> you know, that's just what ends up happening. Okay. Especially with the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots are a bad example of how this is possible. <laughs> I would try. I can tell you about my own with food insecurity. The nights I went to bed hungry. Uh, did you, uh, Miss Hutchinson? Did you listen, go to bed hungry? I, listen. She might have a thyroid issue. You're right. You're right. I can't. I'm going to make this statement and I'm going to make it very clear. I am not of, I, I don't believe in judging people unless they make a claim. That's yeah. That's unless it. they make a claim, then you subject yourself to judgment. Yeah. And you made a claim, Miss Hutchinson, that you are poor and that you spent many a nights going to bed hungry when in fact you didn't. Now, how do I know this? Because you're way overweight. <laughs> and if anybody out there, if you're overweight, you're not poor. Yeah. You're not. You don't live in poverty. Now, she you're doesn't overweight. have that thing that the kids in Africa have where their stomachs stick out really far. You no. know, when they're poor. That's not what she has. What she I has. I can't even see any of her bones. What she has is she has consumed way more calories than she needed to consume. And the problem is, like you said, I don't want to judge her about that. People are overweight. I'm not in the best physical shape. I've wanted to lose weight for a long time. Charlie's severely overweight. And there's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, severely. Charlie's severely overweight. But the problem is, here she is on camera in front of Congress talking about how she has food, had food insecurity and the nights that she went to bed hungry. And she's talking about what it's like to actually be poor in America. And she's probably five, two and weighs over 300 pounds. And I'm sorry, listen, if that's offensive, but if you're going to sit up there and talk about going to bed hungry and food insecurity, you better damn well be a little bit skinny or at least in, in normal, like physical shape that someone would not classify as obese. You better I, actually be hungry. Like literally do you, here's the question. Would you cut this video and show it to people in the world who are actually suffering from hunger, actually suffering from hunger and being in poverty? Would you cut this video and show it to them about how terrible this is? Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for more. 
the we shouldn't just say oh well as long as you're not as poor as someone in africa therefore nothing is bad and as long as you're as long as you're richer than people in africa then our society is amazing that's not what we're saying no no we're not saying that she hasn't struggled we're not saying that she hasn't lived paycheck to paycheck yeah you know i also come from a bigger family even though we struggled we were big like a lot of people well and we're also bigger in stature yeah you could say obese would be a word for it um and there's several people in my family i'm not calling anybody out i'm just saying there's several people in my family who who are overweight they know they're overweight i'm overweight i could stand to lose 30 40 50 pounds probably i'm six eight so you know i weigh 300 and i could probably get down to about 250 and but, i'd feel better about myself would you cut a video talking about the nights that you went to bed hungry and how no. terrible it is to be poor no no now we struggled we did we lived paycheck to paycheck and it would have been nice to have more money however we were never in actual poverty and none of us ever said none of us ever went before congress or ever thought about going before congress or the senate and declaring how bad it was to be poor in america what did you do instead uh, we put our heads down and we worked hard yeah and that's crazy I, no one can do that then i started a business yeah my own my very own business well that's just because you're you inherited a bunch of money from your dad now i know that i'm mansplaining <laughs> I know that I'm mansplaining and I'm privileged splaining because I'm a white you're just male. You're a white male. So I've had way yeah. more advantages than anyone else my whole life. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I grew up in a trailer. You know, what did that one guy say to you? You didn't actually grow up like that, Nate. Yeah. You, he told me. Yeah. He told Otherwise, me, you wouldn't have those beliefs. The guy told me that there was no way uh, that I didn't understand what it was like to be poor. Uh, and I said, well, actually, I was pretty poor for uh, for quite a while. And he was like, no, you weren't. Everyone says that you weren't actually poor, because if you were actually poor, then you wouldn't have these beliefs. And that's not true. You can be poor and have these beliefs. And I want to say something about living in the trailer, by the way. It's not always just bad to live in a trailer. There's a lot of really nice trailers, and a trailer is a perfectly fine place to live. It, it is. But it can be a symbol of poverty if you did grow up in a crappy trailer in a trailer park in a little town out in the middle of nowhere. Unless you unless you do a YouTube video on how it's your tiny home. Yeah. No, then, then it's, it's okay. Then it's really cool. That's a cool trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You build those tiny homes on wheels, and then you're fine. No just, big deal. Just wanted to say that, but let's see what it's else. It's also bad. You know, we recently had tornadoes here in Nashville and uh, two days ago, <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you live in a trailer, it's not as... It's not as sturdy. Dude, every time the wind, I a mean, tornado could pick up the trailer. No problem. Gust of wind, 25 miles an hour. You're the place you live in is rocking back and forth. I mean, that, that's what it's like to live in a trailer. And no, then we no have real foundation. And you have an aluminum roof. I mean, I know they're putting shingles on these newfangled trailers now, but an aluminum roof, a tin roof. Now that can be a pretty peaceful sound nowadays. Maybe you intentionally play aluminum roof rain whenever you uh, want to go on to your, bed on your call map but let me tell you yeah <laughs> let me tell you what an aluminum roof when it's raining or hailing or things are fall i mean it is loud and scary you don't it, even have to ask it you don't have to look outside is it raining if it's raining is it raining yes yes that's it yeah <laughs> that's, it. that's all you gotta do okay <laughs> all right but, but the stance yeah. is is like look i know some of you are going to take offense to this and first of all i don't care because <laughs> i'm not politically correct and i don't have to be the second thing is is i'm not again about judging people and if you want to be fat go be fat it's a free country if you want to be in shape go be in shape whatever but if you are fat and if you you are overweight you can't make the claim that you're poor and you can't make a claim that you've gone to bed hungry 
yeah. many a nights. You're Maybe not, you have one or two nights. You're not the proper spokesperson for no. that message. No. Whatsoever. And I find it so uh, abhorrent. Just like we shouldn't have Joe Biden talk about this message whatsoever. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. <laughs> All right. There we go. This could have seconds. And I was employed full time as a Head Start teacher. I can tell you about being above the poverty guideline, nursing my gallbladder with essential oils and prayer, chewing on cloves and eating ibuprofen like they're Tic Tacs because I don't have health insurance and I can't afford a dentist. The poverty line for a family of three is $21,720. Where I live because of the oil and gas boom, a three-bedroom home rents for $1,200 a month. So if I made $22,000 a year, which could disqualify me from assistance, I would have $8,000 left to raise two children and myself on. Stop. And yet the poverty guidelines wouldn't Stop. Stop. Stop it. Now, tell me why. There's several things in here, but I want to focus on one thing. Tell me why that if you have a family of three or four, why you need a three-bedroom house. You don't, I mean, you don't need that. You ever remember, you remember like back in How the, many houses did you, um, or how many rooms did you have? We had, we had two, we had we, two bedrooms. We had two. I two. shared a room with my brother and my other trailer, my much far nicer double wide trailer that I lived in <laughs> with my dad. Uh, I shared the room with my brother when my sister was born. Um, so that's, you you can share rooms. You ever hear those stories back in the olden days of people who were in poverty or maybe they weren't even in poverty and that's just the way that human beings were able to survive for they didn't forever. They have rooms. They would just you all... You think about America at the beginning back on the prairie. Yeah. You built one log cabin where you had your kitchen, your dining room, your living room, your bedrooms, all in one. Yeah. A studio. It was a studio cabin. That's, in, what, that's what you built. In the places in Africa I've been to, you could make an addition pretty easily as long as you could find enough sticks and cardboard. And you could build on rooms to your house at will if you wanted to. That's if someone didn't kill you because they wanted your sticks and, and your cardboard. Or all the cardboard didn't get fed to the goats because that's what they feed the goats in some of the places I've been. That way they can eat the goats later and take in all that nice cardboard nourishment. So it's, you know... We, this, we had two bedrooms as well in our trailer. Yeah. And, but we also lived with our grandmother. So my grandmother had one room. Then my mom and my two other brothers, there were four of us, four of us that shared another bedroom. And guess what? We we're all fine. Yeah. We were all fine. We, we makeshifted in like in stepbrothers, we makeshifted a, 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 a bunk bed. Only one 30, corner. only 33% of you turned out to be socialists. So <laughs> that's right. That's fine. That's pretty good odds. <laughs> only, only one of my brothers <laughs> is socialist, but, but we, we makeshifted bunk beds in one corner, which by the way, we did a better job than stepbrothers cause it didn't break, which is nice. <laughs> and then, uh, in the other corner, we had another twin mattress and then my mom had her little full mattress or whatever on the other side of the room. And so we had four people, a bunk bed on one side, a bed on the other side, and then a bed on the other side. Four people in one room, one room, and we survived just fine. So tell me why in the world, Miss Hutchinson, do you think that you're guaranteed or that you deserve a right to rent a three-bedroom house? Don't rent the three-bedroom house for $1,300 a month. First off, you probably could find an apartment for cheaper than the house. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes the houses are cheaper than renting an apartment. They could probably rent an apartment 
could probably uh, look for a trailer that's going to cost you 200 250 a month if you want to do that. Uh, you don't have to have a three-bedroom house. This no. is And this is the point. This is what it means to be poor in America. Thank you for making our point for us, by the way. This is what it means that you're complaining about the price of your three-bedroom house having to use the calculator on your $1,200 phone and talking about being uh, hungry when you go to bed while you also weigh 300 pounds. This is what it means to be poor in America. They're making our point for us. Now, she tells a really, I mean, compelling story, like the way she puts it together. But you're right. She's literally making our point for us. Hi, I'm overweight. I pay $1,300 a month for a bedroom on my tw- and I use my calculator on my $1,200 phone and I get to go to the grocery store and get food. Yeah. I'm poor. So much of it that, that I'm obese <laughs> I'm and poor. I've been called in front of Congress and I'm talking about food insecurity. Oh, God. Now, by food insecurity, do you mean that you're insecure about your body because you had too much food? In which case, she's okay. As a family is poor. I Googled congressman's salary the other day, and according to Senate.gov, the salary for senators, representatives, and delegates is $174,000 a year. Stop. So a year of work for you is the Stop. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're never going to make it through this video. I, I don't good. care. It's good. But, okay, here's a couple problems with this one. First of all, you're comparing yourself to somebody else, which you shouldn't do. You, unless you're saying, I'm going to strive to be just as good or better than that. That's the only time you should compare yourself. Second of all, um, that person is a senator. Now, look, I think people in public service should take a, the least amount of money possible from other people. Milton Friedman made a pretty compelling argument for why they should all get service. paid a million dollars a year. It's actually so, pretty so impressive. You, so you wouldn't take outside money and influence. You wouldn't influence, take outside right? money. You would incentivize people who are uh, really good at making money to come into those jobs. Because if you're really good at making a lot of money, you wouldn't want to go take your $174,000 a year salary unless you can take kickbacks. So you incentivize people who are actually good with money to try and go for those jobs. That is a good of, argument. Uh, and then also he said, well, if you did if you did that, even if you paid them, I can't remember what it was, $10 million a year, you're not even at the the budget for the Department of, you know, land management at that time. So it's not as if it's just this massive thing in the in the budget that there's no way you could ever pay for. It would still be less than some of our lowest uh, paid departments that we have for in the budget. So there's an argument to be made for even paying them more. I'm not saying that's what we what we should do. Um, obviously, they were supposed to be in session for like two weeks out of the year. Everyone was supposed to get in their horse and buggy and ride over to ride over to Washington, D.C. If they made it there alive, then they would <laughs> take votes and things and uh, and vote on the, the one or two things. Make sure that the government was not tyrannical and then they would go back to their farm. But, and that's what they were supposed to do. But that's not what they do now. Now it's a full time job and you have to have a house there and you got to live there. You got to live somewhere else. You got to fly back and forth all the time. Yeah, you have to. You have to, because if you don't, you'll miss like 600 votes. So you've got to You've got to be there uh, as much as possible. And that was not the idea behind what it was to be a member of Congress in the first place. So that's the first the first point I was making, which you kind of lambasted, which is fine. There's just more than ways. But the point I was making is don't compare yourself to who someone else is today. Like compare yourself to who you were yesterday. This is a, a Jordan Peterson rule, but it's a good rule. And it's something that people have rule talked number about. Four, I think people have talked about for thousands of years is compare yourself to who you were yesterday and just make a small improvement to you. 
not to somebody else. But second thing is that Senate job is open every six year, Miss Hutchinson, and your congressman's jobs open every two years or congresswoman. You can run for it too. go make your 174 or 215 or whatever it is. No one's stopping you from from running for that job, Miss Hutchinson. I mean, if she no worked, one's stopping you from making a million dollars. She worked wherever it was. She's a, a teacher's aide or a teaching at Head Start, something like that. I mean, good lord, we let bartenders in there now, you know. <laughs> so anyone can do it. You yeah. don't even have to be smart. You don't even have to be able to make any good points ever one time in your entire life, and you could still do the job. So the idea that she can't do this, I mean, she's. She's decided that she can't do it. There's a congressman who thinks that uh, an island could tip over, (laughs) by the way. Hank Johnson from uh, Georgia, Georgia. I think. Hank Johnson, who is still in Congress, by the way. Been there for... Still there. Been there for (laughs) 70, 80 years now. Was actually afraid. Yeah. It's pretty pretty crazy. Did my phone just ring through the podcast? It It sure did, did, man. That's weird. I have my phone on silent. Huh. How about that? So, yeah, we got a congressman. Who's that idiot from California? Which one? What's her name? Uh, uh, Feinstein? No, she's one of them. But the other one who, uh, oh man, she she's the head of the financial committee. Is that not Feinstein? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black lady from California. The one that the one who she also sounds like she's stroking out all the time. <laughs> the one who was questioning uh, Maxine Waters. The Maxine one who, Waters. The one who was yes. questioning uh, the the people who run all of the big banks on why they charge so much for student loans. And she had to find out in that congre- congressional hearing that they don't give student loans because the government took over the student loan process in 2010. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. So she, she like went through each member and she was like, uh, Mr. Person who runs this bank. And he's like, uh, we don't give student loans. All right. Well, you, uh, well, when the government took over the student loan process in 2010, we stopped making student loans. <laughs> so she just had to be educated by those people. And these are the people that are up there in Congress. So this lady deciding that she's only going to make her 10 bucks an hour or whatever it is that she does make now. Um, They'll th- let anybody in, Miss Hutchinson. Yeah, that's her decision. They'll let anybody in. Yeah. Go campaign, go knock on some doors, do the actual hard work it takes to get elected, and you can make your 174 a year. Yeah. And then you'll be fine. But not only that, there are so many jobs out there that pay you over $100,000. Go get the skills and do it. Go get it. Do it. You know the thing. You know it. Equivalent of almost four years of work for me, and I'm $24,000 above the federal poverty guidelines definition of poor. It would take nine people working so full time for poor. a year at $10 an hour to match y'all's salary. Actually, <laughs> she's up here talking about this while she's also just mentioned that she was able to work her way out of poverty. And was able to now be twenty four thousand dollars above the poverty twenty four thousand above the poverty line, which means she's making uh, what is that forty three thousand dollars a year is what she's making while also giving a speech about how it's impossible to get out of poverty. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't make this stuff up. I also read that each senator is authorized forty thousand dollars for state office furniture and furnishings, and this amount is increased each year to reflect inflation. That $40,000 a year for furniture is $360 more than the federal poverty guidelines for a family of seven. And yet here I am, 
begging you on behalf of the 15 million children living in poverty in the United States, on behalf of the one in three kids under the age of five, and nearly 100,000 children in my state of West Virginia living in poverty, to not change anything about these federal poverty guidelines until you can make them relevant and reflect what poverty really looks like today. You have a $40,000. Let's make the poverty line reflect what poverty actually looks like today. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Why don't we lower it to $2 a day? How about we do that? If you make less than $700 a year, $730 a year, then you're in poverty. Why don't we go ahead and move that line to what poverty looks like today? Because what poverty looks like today, unless she just thinks that Americans are better than everyone else in the entire world and we deserve inherently because we are Americans, we deserve more than other human beings. And therefore, if we aren't making 19,000, then we have to be in poverty. But someone in another country is making $2 a day, $720 a year. Well, then that's poverty for them. But that's not poverty for me because I'm an American. No, that, that's that's not going to work. And now she's talking about this $40,000 furniture allotment. We're going to kill this argument here in just a second, but she's going to go on about it for the, another 20 or 30 minutes. Let's see. Our furniture allotment, West Virginia has a median income of $43,000 and some change. People are working full time and are hungry. Kids are about to be kicked off the free and reduced lunch rolls because of changes y'all want to make to SNAP. Even... The changes for SNAP do not uh, affect people who have dependents. Yep. If you have kids, the changes that have been proposed for SNAP uh, don't do, even, do yep. not affect that. Don't just, even, just need so you know. not apply. They, that, that does not apply. And so she's talking about this $40,000 while we have all of these people who are in poverty, these 15 million children in poverty. She's going to say there's in a minute, there's 46 million people in America who are in poverty, which I think is more than the actual amount. She might be fudging those numbers because if you are, you know, you got a family of seven and you're making less than whatever it is a year, then you're in poverty, technically. You know, so so that might be the threshold she's using. Is anyone, therefore, you can just keep having too many kids and you can just keep saying that you're in poverty, I guess. So it's, that's one thing. She's saying she's using this $40,000 a year allotment that senators have. I didn't realize she said senators have, not Congress overall, that senators have to buy office furniture every year. Now, that's too much. Okay. That's some freaking expensive office furniture, if I no, ever heard yeah, of it. Yeah, you don't need okay? 40. Now, whoever runs the office furniture companies probably paid someone to give that allotment to them, more than likely. They got contracts with all kinds of different office furniture suppliers, I'm sure, to supply that at exorbitantly high prices compared to what you would pay for your office furniture for, say, Charlie's office here in his house. But that number means nothing whatsoever when you are using it in the scale that she's talking about. She's talking about 40-something million people that live in poverty and the $40,000 that all 100 senators have every single year to pay for their office furniture. If you do the math on that, what does that come out to? $4 million that they've got to spend on office furniture for the Senate? Um, so 100, let's take away the office furniture allotment for all 100 senators there well we used to have 46 million people that are in poverty now we got 45 million and 999,900 people that are in poverty there we fixed it Prob fixed. problem solved problem is solved 
Yeah. No, she's just using something that's a high number that everyone can agree. They don't need $40,000 for, for paying for office furniture. But that number means nothing to the people that are in poverty. It's it's not even... you. A lot of people will say, oh, that's a rounding error. That's not even a rounding error. No <laughs> one's even going to catch that number whatsoever. Someone's probably shoveling that out into their trunk from the Capitol right now. No one cares. <laughs> okay? Like, that's not an error. That's not. That's too small amount of, of money. And it means nothing towards helping the 40 million people that are living in poverty whatsoever, unless you want to give each one of them um yeah in poverty living in poverty unless you want to give each one of them 10 cents from that furniture allotment then then i guess uh maybe it makes sense if that's what she's calling for if you want to give each one of them 10 cents extra per year that's the thing that these numbers they just don't add up man it's one thing i like about Rand paul is he returns most of that forty thousand dollars every year because he doesn't need new office furniture every year of his total his you get a more budget that's not even office furniture you get all kinds of other budget expenses too, travel and per diems and all kinds of stuff like that and he returns he returns a lot of it i think he's he returned like over a hundred thousand dollars one year back back to the u.s so so they could set it on fire somewhere so (laughs) you know you do have people like that but uh let's see what else what else she got but no 62 percent of west virginia snap recipients are families with children the very same children who cannot take a part-time job because their parents will die without insurance People are working full-time in this country for very little money. They're not poor enough to get help. They don't make enough to get by. They're working while they're rationing their insulin, and they're skipping their meds because they can't afford food. Now, why don't those people have insurance, Charlie? Why is insurance so unaffordable? Well, I thought the Affordable Care Act was going to fix that. Well, now, obviously, the prices, all these people have saved $2,500 a year on their insurance, of course, um, thanks to Obamacare. But they still can't afford to the parent. No, that's not what actually happened. On average, the price went up. Here's the th- all their predictions. It's not that they don't hit the entire projection. Like Obama said, you'd save twenty five hundred dollars a year on your on your insurance by switching the government. Like that's by that's switching the government. that's what that's what he said <laughs> in was, fifteen minutes or less. And it's not as if oh they're saving a thousand now. And it, he said twenty five hundred, but they're saving. They're only saving a thousand. We were off by you know sixty five percent. No, the price went up, not down. Up by an average of what two thousand dollars, right? Uh, it's one thousand for private if you're buying it yourself. Four thousand if your if your employer is buying it. Jesus. Yeah. So it it's it not, wasn't just a little bit wrong. No, it was the opposite direction. Yeah. Just like when he said that having the government take over the student loan industry would save the taxpayers 60 billion dollars then not only did they only save 40 billion dollars no that's not what happened actually the cost of college is like doubled since then okay students are now 1.3 trillion dollars in student yeah. loan debt it's it's insane 1.6 it's a it's actually it's sorry it's one, pretty 1. big 6 is going up as we speak it's at 1.7 holy crap let's get a good <laughs> quote on this no it's it's their their uh, their projections are so far off and she's talking about how this lady couldn't afford health care she couldn't afford health insurance so she's not getting the things that she needs why don't we talk about what could actually lower the price of health insurance since that's what she's talking about she can't afford insurance what could actually lower the price of insurance is it limiting the market is it making sure that people only have a few options is is that what would lower the price of insurance 
Um, what could no. you? What can you personally do to lower the cost of insurance? Would you personally do? How about not be fat? <laughs> That's one thing, Miss Hutchinson. You're costing <laughs> everyone money. Yeah. You know the number one killer is heart disease. You know what adds to heart disease? Obesity. Yeah. Like, it does. I'm not saying if you're if you're in shape that you you can't get heart disease. However, like one thing you can personally do as a solution if you actually believe in lowering the cost of healthcare is stop being so overweight. Yeah. And get in shape. Eat better. That way you're not a major expense on the insurance companies because all they're doing is hedging risk and you're the risk. It's by like, the way. you know, if you stop getting into wrecks or you don't have any wrecks, your insurance keeps going down for your car. Yeah. That's, That's not what, what happens in health no. insurance. No. If you go take your tests and all of your numbers are perfect and you keep losing weight and you get in perfect shape, they can't charge you a certain amount less. It's something within, I can't remember the percentage, but obviously there's the community rating. So they can't charge you th that much uh, different from what they're charging anyone else. And so therefore everyone just pays the higher price. That's, that's what ends up happening. And uh, because they're a company, they need to make money and be sustainable. They can't print their own money. That's not an argument for using the government to pay for things because then it still wouldn't be sustainable and then it would still just steal money from all of us. So that's, that's not an argument to use the government. But if she can't afford health insurance, why don't we try to come up with some ways to lower the price of health insurance? Uh, lowering or healthcare co costs. Yeah, lowering. By the way, s people get upset with me when we talk about fixing the healthcare system, the cost of healthcare, um, or the cost of health insurance, and we talk about lowering the cost of healthcare. We talk about lowering the cost of insurance. We talk about lowering the regulations on insurance. Those things are all intertwined. By the way, they're they're all intertwined. The amount of people that are on insurance and the amount of money that people pay for it, the amount they can get from people for the insurance, that stuff dictates what prices people will charge inside of the healthcare market. And by the way, the expensive pricing in the healthcare market absolutely dictates the prices that people will pay for health insurance. They're all intertwined. So there's other ways to try and fix this problem rather than just taking money from other people. That's, that's not the actual way to solve the real problem, which is the cost of all of these things and if you guys want to understand all of the costs and all that uh, i invite you to take the uh 199 episode challenge this is episode 200 by the way <clears throat> yeah. wow we've hit the mark how about that we've hit a mark we hit a mark yeah episode of 200 of 1 million not we haven't hit mark we hit a mark no. that we made i didn't hit but, mark or brian no <laughs> neither one of them yeah. but take the 199 episode challenge is what we challenge you guys with it might take you a couple weeks that's fine nowadays but we go into extensive depth because we are actually experts in the healthcare world so go take the challenge get a deep dive into what we can actually do to lower the cost of healthcare. how We've could you laid say out how could you just say you're an several expert, charlie Come ways on. that's ridiculous because i've been doing this for a long time yeah and podcasting I'm, no, the healthcare. <laughs> we we I operate a business. We operate a business that actually helps companies pr improve their efficiency through technology on the revenue cycle side of healthcare, which is the financial side of healthcare. I know the ins and outs of all of the insurance company tricks, Medicare, Medicaid, all of that. I have to know all of that so that I can build technology to solve those problems. Yeah. So that makes me an expert. It does. By the way, I know I was just uh, making sure that we told people why you can say we are experts in this. Just believe me. At the same time, it's a shame on you. 
Shame on you and shame on me and shame on each and every one of us who haven't rattled the windows of these buildings with cries of outrage at a government that thinks their office furniture is worthy of $40,000 a year and families and children aren't. I'm not asking you to apologize for your privilege, but I'm asking you to see past it. There are 46 million Americans living in poverty, doing the best they know how with what they have, and we, in defense of children and families, cannot accept anything less from our very own government. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hutchinson. Shame. Thank you. Shame. Thank you. Shame on you. Shame. Shame. Close the shades. <laughs> Feel shame. your shame. Pull down shame. Okay? <laughs> That's what you got to do to the blinds, all right? We're all in shame right now. No, you know what? Shame on her. She's right about that. Yeah. Shame on her for getting up there and preaching about how the way to get out of poverty is by taking money from other people. While she got herself out of poverty, coming from 10 bucks an hour, whatever it was she came from, to making $43,000 a year, got herself out of poverty while she's up there preaching about how it's impossible to get yourself out of poverty. Shame on her for doing that. She's correct. And actually, shame on a bunch of the congressmen, too. So she might have been right in that because uh, they definitely are worthy of plenty of shame. But... They're her? disgusting. They, they are. <laughs> and and this lady up there, it, it just makes our point for us. She made all of our points for us during this little five-minute video that we turned into an hour and 20 minutes. Like, You're welcome. She made all of these points for us. Uh, people won't do better because they'll lose their benefits. Therefore, we need to remove the welfare state so people will be incentivized to do better. You can lift yourself out of poverty because she did do that. Food insecurity means weighing over 300 pounds. Um, there's all kinds of ways. Poverty in America uh, looks like using your smartphone in the grocery store. That way you don't spend too much money. And also having the struggle to pay for your three-bedroom house. This, this is all making our point for us. This is l literally our point. We've got to have a little bit of perspective on this and a little bit of gratitude for how amazing it is to live in this country and to be crying in front of our congressmen about how you only make $43,000 a year and about how people live in poverty. And what that means is that they struggle to pay for the three bedroom house. You know, what's really funny. I just thought of, no, I don't. I still don't even live in a three bedroom house. You don't. You don't. I don't even have a house. <laughs> I haven't bought a house yet. And the, yeah. the reason for that is because I've taken my money and I've put it elsewhere. Now, look, we started looking at houses. I would like to buy a house one day, um, but I still rent a town home. By the way, our studio is inside it's a three bedroom townhome. It's it's not a bad little bad little spot. However, instead of paying extra in mortgage and things like that right now, even though I make really good money, I, I'll just say it, I make good money. I'm not poor anymore. Way way far away from poor actually. Um, all that money gets reinvested back into what we do every single day. And this is the difference in mindset, right? Because I'm, you were poor. Cuz exactly. Yeah. Cuz I was actually well, I, I was not as well off. Yeah. I, I refuse to say poor, actually. Yeah. I, I you was, were broke. I was broke. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. I didn't have the money to buy the things that I wanted to buy. Now I do. And the things I want to buy is I want to invest in other things that are going to make me even more money in the future. Yeah. So that future Charlie, future Charlie's family can not only have one house, we can have 10. We can go wherever we want. We can, if, if my son ends up needing a million dollar heart surgery, I don't have to worry about what insurance I've got. I'll just stroke a damn check for it. 
Because that's how much time and money that I've spent investing in the future to allow that situation to happen. Are damn checks different from normal checks? Yes. Are those bigger? Yes. Okay. Making sure. And when you stroke them, it's a lot different than writing them. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie strokes damn checks. <laughs> you guys get your point where you're stroking damn checks. Okay. That's that's the important. That's what you have to get that's to. That's the that's what you got to get yourself towards. No, listen. I grew up. You know, I was poor too. I was poor in Nashville. I'm poor in the last 10 years. It's actually, it's Good true. Lord, I've been super poor in Nashville. And the problem was never that other people weren't giving me enough of their money by force. That was never the problem. The problem was that I wasn't making enough money. I was not providing enough value to society for people to pay me that money. And that's the difference in the mindset. When I was really poor, my bank account over the last 10 years... Not not anymore because I'm rolling in it. But my bank account over the last 10 <laughs> years went negative, I would say, 100 times. It, it went negative 100 so times. So many fees. I get calls from, I, well, not anymore because remember the rolling in it thing. I used to get calls from bill collectors every single day. Every single day. I was so happy the day I needed to change my phone number. I really was. And they still found it. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. But like... It, the mindset is the difference because my mindset was never that this was impossible. I need other people who are doing really well to give me their money. And that's the only way I'm ever going to make it. You didn't blame no, anyone else. Never blamed anyone besides myself ever. The, the entire time I blamed myself and I figured out what I could do to make more money. I wanted to save up money to day trade. We're still in a trade right now, by the way, it's still going well. We took profit again, and we're still letting some other shares ride right now. So, that, so that's good. I wanted to save up money to day trade. You know what I did? Because I didn't have any You're money. Like, How can I be good enough for Charlie to hire me? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was severely in debt, severely in debt. Like, and not just for a house. Like, I'm two hundred thousand dollars in debt for my house. Not that. I'm talking business loans and student debt and the car loan and credit cards, tens of thousands to a hundred thousand or more, just in debt on things that weren't a house. And I wanted to start an account with $30,000 in it to day trade. That was the goal. So a friend and I were like, what can we do? We started a business. We just started taking jobs. We started working on people's houses, turned that into a company where we started flipping houses in Nashville. We worked so hard trying to pay off all of those debts and save up a lot of money that in the process of doing that, we flipped 215 houses in Nashville. That's a ridiculous number. You're not the smartest guy either. I'm not smart. Not even close. No. Neither am I. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of, we're fairly smart. I'm just saying it's possible to do and you don't have to be some intelligent whiz with an engineering degree to learn how to flip houses. Look at the work I was, literally, this is no offense to people who do this because we've got to have people who do this thing for a living. But the work I was doing is predominantly done by people who didn't even finish high school. And I was able to pay off all my debt. And I was able to save up a bunch of money to start day trading. But you can do it. We were making good money and I chose to only live on $7.25 an hour so I could save up the rest of it. And so I only paid myself a little over $7 an hour for years. And the rest of it was getting saved up and getting put towards debt. You can do this. This is a mindset problem. This is not a problem with the rich, with the wealthy, even with the government. This is not even a problem with all that. It's a problem with people's mindsets. It's a problem with people like this girl going up in front of Congress and telling everyone that it's not possible to get yourself out of poverty. And that if you grew up poor, then your kids are going to be poor. And she's up there telling people this. And there's Facebook pages reposting this video to millions of people. 
And there's millions of people because this is the message that they want to hear that completely agree with it because it tells them that nothing is their fault. So they want to hear it and they love it because it takes the blame off of them and it makes them feel better. It gives them someone to be upset with that's not themselves. And so they like it. They love this message. And the problem is the mindset of this message. Nothing else. It's the mindset. You can get yourself out of poverty if you just work harder. Listen, I get it. I'm white, okay? I'm a white dude. I'm a straight white male, most hated person in the entire world, okay? (laughs) But listen, so that's you can say that's why I was able to do it. Guess what? I'm sorry. If you do live in some, if you're in some type of category that is uh, discriminated against or you are uh, somehow starting from a lower, uh, worse playing field, not even... Here's the problem. You're just going to have to work that much harder and you'll be that much better because of it. You're never going to solve your life and make your life better by getting Congress to force other people to give you money. That is never going to be a way to lead a better life because you're always going to be making the minimum and whoever is making the minimum is going to struggle. A $15 minimum wage means that prices of everything come up. You're going to be making 15 and everything's going to get more expensive and you still will be struggling. None of this is an actual solution solution to the problem. That's why we get so upset about this. That's why we get so heated about this. These aren't real solutions. The real solution is in you. That's where the solution is. It's working really hard, living within your means, not getting a three-bedroom house, keeping an older phone if you don't have to. Let's say you could live without Facebook and Instagram and all these things that were on your phone that you got to check 50 times a day or more than that, probably. Let's say you could live without that for just a little bit and you could save up more money. What if when you went home, you were watching something off of your digital antenna instead of paying for your Netflix and your YouTube TV and your Hulu and all these different things that you're paying for and your Amazon Prime Or if you weren't watching TV at all and actually doing something productive. Yeah, if you were actually just, uh, instead of watching TV, you were getting on the, uh, the app. There's an app on your phone, by the way. It just comes with your phone if you have an iPhone, um, even if you have an older iPhone. It's called iTunes U, by the way. Have you ever seen this app, by the way, Charlie? comes on your phone iTunes U. You can select classes on iTunes U. It is a it is a app that just comes on your phone and you can pick out courses that are on here. Literally, I have a course right here on uh let's see, CSIS 525. I have a course on database systems. I have a course on SQL. I have a course on uh trading, a course on economics where I've just gone on this app that's on my phone and sometimes instead of watching the next episode of whatever you're binge watching on netflix you can spend your time learning how to produce more value for people and that's how you actually get out of poverty because for you to get more you're gonna have to be more valuable to other people so they will freely give you their money and that is the game that's the goal i'm sorry that that is what the actual goal is human beings We need to not starve to death. We need to have some type, a little bit of shelter and and a little bit of water. And that's it. Everything else is on you. Every single other thing is on you. All the extras that you want other than food, water, and shelter. And it doesn't even have to be the world's nicest shelter in the entire world that ever existed. All those things are what you have to actually pay for. Everything else that you've decided you're going to pay for because you have to have them. You don't need to complain about them. Because they're not things that human beings have to have yet. You're not in that time frame yet. I remember, I remember being in a conversation with someone that said, well, to have a job, you have to have a car. And if you have a car, you have to have insurance. And 
you have to have a phone so you can do interviews and do all this stuff. It's like, no, you don't. You don't need any of that. Haven't you guys seen the stories on Facebook where people were walking five, seven, ten miles to work every single day? There was a guy up in uh, the northern state that was walking like fifteen miles a day to get to yeah. work, and the boss, the the business ended up like buying them a car. Yeah, or there something you go. Like Look that. at that. Yeah, well, that guy was actually willing to put in the work. The guy said, "I've got to go to work. This is where I got a job. I don't have a car. Guess what? I'm going to walk there." That is completely within the capability of a human being, as long as you've got your legs still. And you can actually do that. Hey, maybe you'll lose some weight in the process. Okay, but there are ways to actually do this. And they're not easy. They're not easy. And don't tell me about the 1% of people who have issues. There are people who have issues that need help. Yes. But that 1% argument doesn't work for the rest of the 99% of you. Yeah. Because most of you can walk. There are way less people in wheelchairs than there are people that are able to walk. Well, you make that. Way less. People make that, you know, well, what about the people who can't do this well when you come to me and talk to me about poverty are you going to accept my argument of well one percent of america actually has a ton of money what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. no you're not going to take that yeah. as an argument are you so stop telling me about the one percent of people who are disabled or have some some type of disability where they can't do this and those people do need help and, and that's do. what charity is for that's why we believe in it that's why you should donate and put your money the extra that you do have once you've uh once you've made yourself and your family better, then you put that extra money to, towards causes that you believe in and you help your neighbors out. Yeah. That is true. However, that 1% argument, well, what if you can't, what if you can't walk to work? What if you have to, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, well, you better be willing your ass to work then. Yeah. That's what I say. And, and if your you arm is going to be real strong. Yeah. <laughs> you can be like Lieutenant Dan, just we're exercising his arms all There's the time. This guy who lost his legs in Afghanistan. And he ran 32 marathons in 32 days. Wow. Now, why? I don't know, because I don't know why anybody would ever want to run 26.2 miles ever. But it's possible. This guy didn't even have any legs. It's all a matter of your mindset and what do you actually want to accomplish? There's a really f- what are you going to manifest for yourself today? There's a pretty popular um, motivational speaker. I can't remember his name, but he doesn't have any arms or legs. And he goes around giving motivational speeches about, uh, I mean, about how it's possible you can do anything you put your mind to and you you can be happy and you can find meaning in your life and all this. And you don't have to be depressed. Who better to take that message from from a guy who doesn't have any arms or legs? Literally, nearly worst case scenario for a human being. It's a good thing no he's out of mouth so he could speak. He could still talk. <laughs> now, if he lost that, uh, I well, don't look know. At I mean, Stephen still, Haw- he, look at Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Guy couldn't talk anymore. They developed, uh, you know, computer things where he could basically you know read thing. his mind. You know the thing. All yeah. men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you I got laugh. that on cue. I now. laugh every time I hear that. I can't not laugh at that. It's so good. All men and women are created, <laughs> and and you go around. You know the thing. <laughs> <laughs> So good. I guess so good. did he not want to say endowed by their creator? Is that I, what he I don't think he knew what was next. I don't think. Yeah. Dude, yesterday's episode, you gotta go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it already, because I the campaign, the movie The Campaign and Will Farrell's trying to say the Lord's Prayer, that's what it reminds me of every single time. Uh, I wonder if Trump is gonna bring that up in the in the national election during a debate. Yeah. I wish he I wish he would. That'd be so funny. As it is on Earth. <laughs> Our father 
Art <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> so in good. A helicopter. All right, guys. So that's our podcast for today. We made it through that video. Just one hour and 35 minutes. No big deal whatsoever. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. That way you can get our new episodes that we release every single day of the week when we want to. You can get your daily fill of life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And if you are interested in that day trading class, well, we haven't told you the website yet because guess what? We offered an early bird special to people that sent us an email. And those people are joining the class right now, and they are early birds. And you know what they say: a penny saved is a is an early bird. So that that's that's the old saying, that the old Vietnamese proverb that we've heard plenty of times. And so those people are joining the class next week. We guys, we are going to tell you guys about how to get in on this class, how to learn how to read a stock chart, start a brokerage platform, enter enter in trades, get out of trades, all of these different things, and what the strategies are that we use every day. The strategy we're using right now because we're still in a trade right now i'm looking at it it's still it's going really well it's it's going now we don't have a ton of shares on this stock you know we've we've made uh during the course of this prog this podcast i think we made a hundred bucks on apple while we were talking and that's fine because we're doing a day trading class that is mainly for beginners and we got to show that you can start an account with a low amount of money and still be able to grow that into a large amount of money so hey stay tuned we're gonna be telling you guys about that class Early birds, getting getting those pennies. Look for the email in your inbox. We have sent you the link to the class. Go join while the discount is still available for the next week. And then, uh, yeah, find us on Patreon. Get on there. There's people watching us live on Patreon right now. Even the lowest tier um, subscription, you know the thing. Even the lowest tier subscription, you get to watch us live on Patreon every single day. So you could actually see. You remember back way back when in this podcast when you ate your words? That was today. Yeah, that happened. Actually, yeah. you ate your words today. I'm feeling and a little sick. People on Patreon <laughs> got to actually see that happen live. So if you want to see uh, Charlie eating paper live, then go to Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty and you know, give money towards a good cause. We're just fighting for liberty. That's all. Judge just, uh, just the liberty and freedom of uh, 7.7 billion people. Nothing other than that. That's all we're fighting for. So I guess if you don't want to put any any of your money where your mouth is towards that message, I get it. It's only fighting for the well-being of the entire world. You know, that's not a big deal. But hey, we'll put money towards advertisements, things that you care about. Uh, we have an ad going towards the healthcare system, which is what one patron asked for. And we have an Ag going towards gun control, uh, anti-gun control, which pro, is what another pro two A, pro two A, which is what another patron asked for. So you can get on there, and we will run the ads. You get all kinds of cool freebies that you have to pay for. So go to Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. And you're, you know, you're listening to this episode, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, what, what can I do? You know, I believe in this message. I believe in what we're talking about. What can I do? Well, the number one thing you can do, which I mentioned earlier when it came to healthcare, is you can be the example. That's one thing you can do in your life. This day trading class is one way to do that. Being a Patreon subscriber is one way to do that. Sharing the show is a free way to do that. That's one's actually free to share it with somebody. The other one that's actually free too is to leave us a rating and review. It costs you nothing. It takes you 15, 20 seconds to leave a rating and review. That's it. Takes you 30 seconds to share the show. Tell a friend about it. And if you guys do all of that, um, you are one step closer to advancing liberty, which is what we're all about. This is how we make the change. The change starts with you. And so you have to be 
uh, improving your own life. You have to be improving your own mindset and uh, send Nate an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. And that way you can get on the list for, for when we actually release the trading class to everyone next week. Make sure you're on that list so you know. And if you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow to do this all over again. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Libertas. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.